Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome into the Talking Tide podcast on the Belly Up Podcast Network. I'm Chase Goodbread, sports columnist with the Tuscaloosa News. Travis Ryer, the longtime senior analyst with BamaOnline.com, along as we always are twice weekly in the fall, breaking down Alabama football, the Talking Tide podcast Twitter feed, of course, is Talking underscore Tide. That's the handle. Jump on there. Give us a follow. You'll get links right away to these twice weekly podcasts. You can get us on Apple Podcasts as well, and we're live on Facebook and YouTube. I want to thank Peterbrook Chocolatier of Tuscaloosa and also Heat Pizza Bar in downtown Government Square. More on them a little later in the program. Two fine local sponsors of Talking Tide. And with that, uh, we're back after a one-week respite from the idle week to preview this Alabama-LSU game upcoming at Bryant-Denny Stadium, a 6.45 Central Time kickoff. CBS broadcast, Alabama comes in unbeaten in SEC play, 5-0. LSU 4-1 in the league, Travis. And this is the one, Travis, that uh, uh, this game's got nationalized, not just regionalized, uh, for sure. College football playoff implications, potentially, and certainly the biggest game of the year to date in the SEC West. Seems like we say that about every year. I know Auburn has had some success along with LSU, relative to everyone else anyway, when it comes to Alabama under Nick Saban. But you're right. There's a reason why it seems like year in, year out, this is a primetime CBS game. Not just CBS, not just the 230 slot. But primetime CBS, it has taken that place in the pecking order in the Southeastern Conference over the last decade and a half or more. Pulling for the Tigers, certainly, Travis, will be Ole Miss as we look at the SEC West standings. Uh, The Rebels want to see Alabama take that loss and kind of drag the standings into that three-way tie. I, just for fun, and it's a look ahead, there's a lot of football left to be played. Ole Miss still has Georgia, for goodness sakes. A lot can happen, but just for fun, uh, I looked ahead at what the tiebreaker scenario might look like if it ended up being uh, a three-way tie with all three of those teams uh, beating each other and with one loss in the league. And I think it went to – if you go to the SEC's official website and look at the tiebreaker list, they don't list it numerically. They list it alphabetically. It's tiebreaker A, B, C. I think you go all the way down to G, Travis, <laughs> before you find how they would finally uh, break it up. And if I remember right, it has something to do with um, overall record of teams you beat in the other division or some such crazy thing uh, that's way past who won head-to-head. Yeah, and you're right. We got a little ways to go before needing to sort all that out. But it is fascinating because of the potential ramifications of an LSU win potentially over Alabama this week. And then if Ole Miss does the sort of unthinkable, goes into Athens in a couple Saturdays and wins on the road, 
you look at this from the LSU perspective too. I mean, th- this is the game. There's no doubt about it. Uh, but it sets up pretty well for LSU if it wins this game because it gets home games uh, in the month of November after this with Florida and Texas A&M. So quality of opponent still could be an issue for the Tigers even playing at home. But uh, it still feels like this is going to be the game that determines the representative from the West to Atlanta. The chatter certainly is all about that LSU offense against the Alabama defense. That's kind of the matchup, I think, that's going to have fans excited. That's definitely going to pull a lot of TV ratings. LSU comes in with the number one offense in all of college football, 553 yards per game. Uh, Travis, the the punter for the Tigers, Bramblett's his name, he's punted 15 times in eight games. That's yep. one punt a half, basically, for the year. Uh, tells you all you need to know about that LSU offense, doesn't it? Hillcrest High School graduate. Uh, I didn't know that. Bramble. How about yeah. that? He's a Tuscaloosa guy. Was with Kelly at Notre Dame before transferring to LSU. So, even got ties with the specialists in this one, good bread. No doubt about it. Uh, huge challenge for the Alabama defense, but the Alabama defense looks up to challenges. I think at this point, uh, Travis, they're playing. They seem to be clicking on all cylinders. The pass rush has been very consistent. The secondary, I think, is playing well. Sometimes the run fits, maybe not quite what you'd like, maybe not quite what you saw from uh, what Alabama's defense was bringing. You know four or five years ago, but this defense is hell against the pass uh, because they bring it from both edges and up the middle. Uh, Jaden Daniels, of course, a Heisman Trophy candidate quarterback in the Tigers gave Alabama fits last year in the Tigers overtime home win over the Crimson Tide. Uh, But uh, definitely that Alabama defense and specifically the pass rush working against LSU in the passing game is is uh, going to be uh, exciting for sure. Yeah, and just how Alabama goes about that, because we heard Nick Saban talk about it earlier in the week. A couple of times, Alabama in the game a year ago in Baton Rouge, not disciplined enough in its approach to Jaden Daniels. He made them pay on some busted pass rush at, uh, attempts from, this, from the Alabama defense, and you know, I still say as much as we're going to talk about that right up until kickoff and into the game Saturday night, Alabama also gave it up not just to Jaden Daniels on the ground a year ago, uh, but also uh, to the running back position. And that you know, Logan Diggs is playing some really good football. The Notre Dame transfer, another one of those guys on this LSU team. Uh, when you just look at SEC play for him, uh, once he really got it going uh, in conference play. Uh, to go along with Daniels, now you got that two-way conflict in that zone read game and just the run game in general. And so you got to take care of Diggs, too. Uh, y- you can't give it up even to the extent that Alabama did a year ago between that quarterback and running back dynamic. Yeah, what you like to what I like about the zone read game LSU runs is how long Daniels holds the mesh point, right? And and I watched, I saw this primarily when LSU played Missouri in a shootout and beat them late, ended up beating them, I think, with a pick six, at least how they clinched it. But both offenses went up and down the field in that one. I, that's that's the game I've gotten to see the most of LSU so far this season. 
And Daniels, he'll hold that mesh point so long, he'll actually kind of take a half a step with Diggs, right, headed toward the middle before he pulls or doesn't pull. And that little delay, I think it makes a big difference because if he sees what he wants to see and gives it to him, Diggs will pop it right up the middle for huge yards. And LSU can spring it right through the through the heart with Diggs on that zone read game. And and uh, uh, as much as it's important for Alabama's defense to contain Daniels, the last thing they need is for the C to be parting in the A gaps with that with that initial give. Yeah, last year it was Josh Williams that had limited carries against Alabama, but he still ran for 50-plus yards, averaged around 7-plus a carry in that game. Uh, And you're right, it is that delayed mesh, similar to what we've seen from Wake Forest, especially when Sam Hartman was with Wake uh, the previous few seasons before Notre Dame. It always seems to go back to Notre Dame tonight, I guess, for me. But uh, for sure. I mean, you got to take care of that first and foremost. I know it sounds crazy, uh, but you actually want to see 35, 40 dropbacks uh, for Jaden Daniels. Dropbacks and not just off of zone read action and those type of things. You want to put LSU more into a throw it on almost every down type of status. And, you know, Alabama in the interior of that defensive line, I think that's where you have some optimism from that perspective is because Tim Keenan, Tim Smith, uh, you know, what you've seen from Damon Payne, uh, you know, obviously when you talk about Jaheim Otis, Justin Aboibe, they have the kind of guys up front that can go a long way in helping to slow that down. A lot of weapons for LSU at the wide receiver position as well. Malik Neighbors has had a huge year. He's not the only one, but Daniels has got a lot of options for sure. In the passing game, uh, he'll hit the tight ends. He, he he can do it all, and and yeah, I'm not sure. Even if you even if Alabama plays well against LSU defensively, they could still have to score in the 30s to win it. Um, at least how that's how I'm looking at it, Travis. It's uh, it's a it's a challenge for the Alabama defense. I don't think it's I don't think it's an offense that you can shut down by any means. I just think you got to play really well in the red zone, right? Force field goals wherever you can. A field goal is a win for the defense in this game. It, it, in, in any game in college football anymore, but especially I think this matchup. Yeah, you've got to keep explosive plays from getting to the end zone. You know, they're going to hit, both teams are, are going to hit some explosive plays, probably more than a few Saturday night. But the key for both defenses will be safety play, I think Alabama can feel pretty good about that with Caleb Downs back there. I think he's going to be important, not just in terms of the explosive pass plays, but when Daniels pops it from time to time, you got to get him on the ground. And as you said, make LSU earn it from the red zone. You know, make make LSU score touchdowns from inside the 20. Don't just give up the big plays that end up going for scores. And that's really been a strength for Alabama, as we know, with Jalen Milrow and that passing game. And I think there's going to be some layups for Alabama when it does throw the football in the intermediate to deeper ranges. But you know, Alabama, as we'll talk about, I'm sure too, uh, that quarterback running back dynamic that it might employ on the offensive side of the ball in the run game. Perfect time to switch around and talk Alabama offense versus the LSU defense. The Crimson Tide 
comes in. I think Travis, at a fairly high level of confidence offensively, probably as much offensive confidence as, as this team has had uh, to date this season. And that's not to say they're, they're uh, necessarily feeling like they can beat the world, but there's been some steady progress. There are still problems. There are still holes and issues that the coaching staff uh, has now had a couple of weeks to try to get shored up down the stretch this season. Uh, but the offense is playing better. Better the, the the offensive line in particular is starting to get a little better. Still some issues here and there. It's not a dominant line by any stretch, uh, but it's moving forward. Seth McLaughlin's playing better football right now than he was certainly earlier in the season for one. Uh, running game has been up and down, but Milrow, I, I, I think, is – uh, is feeling pretty good himself uh, about himself these days. And and yeah, I think the wide receivers have played pretty well also, uh, Travis. And from the LSU perspective, the talk this week is injuries, right? I mean, they're beat up. Makai Wingo on the defensive line, out. Uh, you've got Zion Alexander out, Denver Harris out. Uh, it's a little bit of a mash unit on that side of the ball for the Tigers. It is. And I think a lot of the focus has been on those transfer defensive backs, that LSU brought in uh, that aren't going to be able to go, what, three or four of them uh, in this game on Saturday night. But I think Makai Wingo, the loss there, could be especially big. Because even while you still have Mason Smith on that defensive line, you still have Harold Perkins that you have to deal with. And there are some serviceable guys on that LSU defensive front. Uh, Alabama should have the ability to run it when it wants to run it perhaps in this game. And that could be really big as far as game control is concerned, because you know, Nick Saban would love to turn this into sort of Ole Miss from a couple of years ago in Tuscaloosa when Alabama held the ball for like 40 minutes and Ole Miss had it for about 20. Alabama won that game 42-21, I believe, in Tuscaloosa. Uh, to be able to control the, the, the game in that fashion would be ideal uh, but I also think it's going to be hard at times to to sort of turn away from the opportunities Alabama should have should it want to throw the football. Yeah, good time to talk about pace. Travis, Alabama definitely doesn't want to get in a shootout with LSU. Alabama is not going to be in good shape if, if this game gets into the high 30s, low 40s, or, or even higher than that. Alabama wants to keep this game in the 20s. If you're playing LSU, the best way to do that uh, is to eat some clock where you can. Uh, chew up some some first downs on the ground as best you can. Uh, it takes consistent running down to down, especially on first down. Uh, and and Alabama's done poorly on first down for a lot of the season. Frankly, that's how Jalen Milrose ended up in so many third and longs. Although against Tennessee, I thought Alabama did pretty darn well on first down in the second half for sure. Right as that game moved along, and that was. Uh, a major key. And also, you know, LSU's not really going to try to speed it up on offense. They're not what Nick Saban likes to refer to as a fastball team. So right. you don't have to concern yourself probably with that as much uh, as far as number of plays that your defense might see in this game. Uh, but explosive plays both ways. You know, LSU defensively, even before all of this with the players it won't have, on Saturday night on that side of the ball had given up five plays of 50 yards or more. Um, that's a lot, you know? Yeah. And so 
I, I think Alabama is actually being undersold a little bit on offense in terms of its explosive play capability in this game. So whereas you'd like to maybe keep this into uh, 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 Bula ball in some ways with your run game, I think even from that perspective, Jace McClellan, the other backs are going to have some opportunities to hit for some chunks. Harold Perkins, the outstanding defender for the Tigers, worth a mention as well. Travis, uh, Nick Saban was asked about him twice, once by me tonight, as a matter of fact, at his news conference. The guy is not only a phenomenal pass rusher, he can get out in space and make plays, make solo tackles on the perimeter. He chases the ball pretty much wherever he's got to go. Uh, so he's hell. It's not just a situation where Caden Proctor and J.C. Latham have to be able to handle the edge. That's not the only challenge with this guy uh, because he's everywhere and he lines up in a lot of places. Yeah, you got to figure out where he's at down by down, really. And as much as we talk about him as a pass rusher, as we should, you talked about that Missouri game. He had an interception that really turned that game because that was looking like Missouri – may put some serious distance between itself and the Tigers uh, in that game in Columbia. And then he makes the play and kind of turned on that. So I think the temptation with a guy like Harold Perkins is similar to what Alabama experienced probably with Will Anderson. You got to be careful not to try to do too much with him. You know, Mm -hmm. sometimes it's, it's better just to put a guy where he's most comfortable and tell him to go make plays instead of, well, we're going to line you up at inside linebacker in this look. You're going to be, you know, with your hand in the ground on this look. You're going to be on the edge standing up. Uh, we're going to have you in some zone concepts uh, where you're in space and pass coverage. Uh, simple sometimes is better when you have a talent like that. Speaking of simple, Travis, uh, we turn to the Vegas man and the ticket man. Minus three, one field goal. That's what that's what they're saying out there. Uh, line started last week, and by the way, because Alabama and LSU were both idle this past week, the spread came out early. Right? Might as well get, might as well get the action going as soon as you can. Right? Uh, and it was four and a half out of the gate. It's been bet down to three. Uh, so obviously, uh, the heavy money early has gone on the Tigers. Uh, they jumped on that four and a half. Now it's sunk a little bit. Um, and the over-under sitting around 61. Uh, thoughts on that, Travis? Yeah, those numbers are probably about what I would expect uh, and, and would steer away from. You know, they, they don't miss too often with those numbers, no. especially the total, because I think we're on the same page in terms of a score range, you know, somewhere in the right around 60, this, this could be. Um, I, I think Alabama can score in the 40s myself. I really do because I'm not buying this narrative. Even before the unavailability of four or five guys for LSU, I mean, the improvement by LSU on the defensive side of the ball had as much to do with Auburn and Army being two of the worst offenses in college football than anything else. What I remember most is LSU getting lit by Missouri, right. even though LSU won that game. FSU. Uh, Ole Miss, yeah. right? Um, 55, double nickel on them. And, and and all three of those games away from from Baton Rouge. So, you know, I, I probably like Alabama laying the three more than I even like messing with that total too much. 
Ticket man, Travis, uh, 175 to $200 roughly for those nosebleed seats. And by the way, this is kind of a clawback game for the man because he's had a couple of disappointments this year at Bryant-Denny. That Arkansas homecoming game was a little soft price-wise. Uh, so he's hoping these numbers hold as long as they can hold. Uh, but the prime seats for this LSU game, Travis, I think are a little soft. I checked it before we came on the air. Uh, you can get between the 40s and the lower bowl at Bryant-Denny for under 350 right now online. And if you can do that online a couple days out, then uh, you'll be doing better than that on game day. Yeah, it makes you wonder what how how much uh, LSU's fan base is, is going to take to Tuscaloosa because usually that's not in question. Worse LSU teams than this one, and this is a good LSU team, have traveled pretty damn good to Tuscaloosa. Yeah. I mean, it's an easy trip. It's a fun trip. LSU people typically don't need much of a reason High to hit stakes. the road. They don't even – but but maybe that's part of it. You know, it seems like a lot of LSU people, they don't even care if they get in the game. You know, they're there for the party as much as anything right. else. So maybe that's it. You know, maybe that has something to do with it. All right, the Talking Tide podcast on the Belly Up Podcast Network. Moving on, we're going to thank a couple of sponsors here really quickly. We're going to start by telling you all about Heat Pizza Bar and that fantastic – Artisan Pizza, downtown in Government Square. Hey, if you're looking for a great place to take the family away from that craziness on the strip this weekend, if you're coming in for Alabama LSU, take them to heat. Government Square, flat screens all over the place, plenty of elbow room, super service, and, of course, the best pizza in town. Frank Fleming's fantastic staff is going to get you taken care of uh, with the standard. They've got the Thai chicken pizza that's outstanding. Uh, you just can't beat it. Try those jalapeno poppers as well. Great daily specials that Thursday special, a pepperoni or cheese pizza, just $8 from 2 to 6 p.m. So the next time you're in the mood for some great pizza, check out Heat Pizza Bar at 2256th Street downtown in Government Square. I'm going to tell you about Peter Brook Chocolatier at 1530 McFarland Boulevard North in the Indian Hill section of Tuscaloosa. You talk about a must-stop for LSU weekend. It is Peterbrook, right next to our friends at Southern Ale House. As you enter Northport, headed on 82, you're going to find Peterbrook Chocolatier, those chocolate footballs. You got Thanksgiving coming up. Never too early to get those orders in for the holidays, whether it's Thanksgiving. and I know, I know. It's just November 1st, but I'm going to invoke Christmas on this November the 1st, and they'll take great care of you. Peter Brook Chocolatier, 1530 McFarland Boulevard North in the Indian Hills section of Tuscaloosa. Love it over there at Peter Brook Chocolatier, as always. Final minutes of the program. We'll go through a couple of big games around the Southeastern Conference. We'll jump in that two-deep tumbler really quickly, and then we're going to get out of here. Been a lot of fun getting back at it here on Talking Tide. Texas A&M at Ole Miss. Travis, let's start right there. Jimbo Fisher, uh, on the road, taking on Lane Kiffin. Lane Kiffin with a couple of veiled digs at Jimbo. Yeah, and his, he can't. He can't help himself. He can't. He's not a Jimbo fan. The most clearly. talented, easily the most talented five and three team in the country. They've done a great job of collecting players. <laughs> uh, what about that? Uh, but, one? But, you well, know, we laugh, but this is a yeah. This is a spot where I can see Ole Miss. Screwing the pooch, for lack yeah. of a better way of putting it. This is typically where it has happened for Ole Miss and Lane. So, um, 
it, it is a game that that you would think Ole Miss would win, but man, A and M and Lane is right. You you can't say that's still not a very talented team, and it's still good enough on offense to do enough not to win a shootout against Ole Miss. But what does Ole Miss like to primarily do? They like to run the football, and A and M can match up. They can match the up, although. You know, Tennessee's kind of like Ole Miss in terms of not just how it runs the football, but with tempo. And that seemed to be a real problem for AM in Knoxville a couple of weeks ago. So maybe that works to Ole Miss's benefit in this one too. But I think it's going to be a hell of a game. I'm looking forward to it. How about Missouri at Georgia? The only once beaten Missouri Tigers coming to Athens. Trying to knock Georgia off. Georgia, of course, coming off of that big win over the arch rival Florida Gators in sunny Jacksonville, Florida. Uh, riding pretty high, Georgia, right now. Travis, what about that one? Roster game. You know, I, it, it's been impressive what Missouri's done to this point. But, you know, LSU probably had too much roster ultimately with what it has this year for Missouri at home in, in that game for the uh, for for Mizzou. So, I think, you know, kind of like Florida last week, Florida's not there yet in terms of personnel. Uh, I don't think Missouri's there either. I think what Missouri needs is Georgia to revert back to the slow starts that we had seen in the first half of the season. If that happens, then Missouri can hang around for a while. If it doesn't, I think it's going to be a game similar to Kentucky that we saw with Georgia and Florida last week. Yeah, what Missouri need they, they Missouri needs that Cook Burden combination to just have a monster game, right? They need a lot of mileage out of Luther Burden in this game. They end yeah. up on the plus side turnovers, which isn't easy to do in Athens. But if they can end up plus on turnovers and Burden burns them enough, they're they they could be in this game late. But uh, Vegas doesn't see it. Certainly, speaking of uh, Vegas, Travis, I think that number is like fourteen and a half. That's all. Uh, so for uh, for a seven seven and one Missouri not getting a ton of respect uh, in the desert for this one. No, and I'm I'm frankly surprised that line's not higher. But maybe I'll be surprised. And Missouri will go in there and and play uh, good football. Kentucky at Mississippi State, Arkansas at Florida. Uh, either of those do anything for you, Travis? I'll be interested to see what happens to Arkansas down the stretch. Sam Pittman's job's on the line. I don't think there's much question about that. He goes to Gainesville now, uh, and the losses are mounting quickly in Fayetteville. Yeah, and I'm interested to see from a psyche perspective, uh, where's Florida at after that disappointing performance against Georgia? I was more impressed with Georgia, actually, than I was – put off by Florida. Florida got off to a good start and then got rolled from that point forward. But I think for Billy Napier, until he can continue to build and recruit to the level he's recruiting at right now, uh, these are the kind of games you got to win. And for Pittman, you're right. I think he helped himself with the Arkansas fan base by offloading um, uh, Enos, you know, during the bye week. We'll see to what extent, but uh, that probably gained him some favor with the fan base. But, uh, you know, I, I still don't think this is a game that Florida can just kind of show up for. Florida's not to that point yet. All right, finally, we'll jump in that two-deep tumbler, and then we are out of here. Give it a quick spin, and we'll see who comes out. 
somebody in that Alabama two deep roster. Running out of guys, running out of names. But uh, here one comes now, and it's going to be uh, a double number, Travis. B coming out with seven, 17. Oh, 17. Wow. There you I'm see it. Uh, uh, Tresman Marshall and, of course, Isaiah Bond. Uh, nice double. A couple key players right there. Marshall, of course, uh, hadn't been right with, I think, a rib injury. Isaiah Bond, a deep threat for that offense for Milrow. Yeah, it's going to be interesting with Marshall to see what his availability is like this week again because it's easy to fall into that mindset of we got to be able to play sideline to sideline with Deontay Lawson and Jihad Campbell, and those guys can certainly do that. But you got to still bring it between the tackles. I mean, LSU will still look to get physical, and that's somewhere where Tresman Marshall could help you. This week, Isaiah Bond, he's one of those guys, I think, with the – deficiencies before all these unavailabilities uh, for LSU on the back end. Bond with that speed, Kobe Prentice, those guys, when you get them lined up inside and you get some of those matchups, uh, could be another explosive play opportunity or two for Isaiah Bond. And what about punt returns? Um, you know, with Kool-Aid McKinstry struggles, do we continue to see Kool-Aid back there this week, Chase? Could we see Isaiah Bond or someone else? Be fun to watch for sure. Jalen Milrow definitely is going to need to hit a couple of more of these deep balls. Jermaine Burton, probably his favorite guy for that. But Isaiah Bond, too, uh, he can definitely take the top off. Has several times this season for Alabama. All right, that's going to do it for this edition of the Talking Tide podcast. Be sure to join us once again for the Sunday Nighter when we come back and recap Alabama's home game against LSU. Until then. For Travis Ryer of BamaOnline.com, I'm Chase Goodbread, sports columnist with the Tuscaloosa News and co-host of Crimson Cover Television. We'll talk to you next time right here on Talking Tide.